Hey, I'm Jake Bennett. I'm Aaron Francis. And we're missing Michael Dorinda, but welcome to the North Meet South web podcast. I am not. Aaron, how's it going, man? It's going well. Yeah, poor Dorinda. He's not on the show today. So we actually, Aaron and I have talked a couple times just through Twitter about having him on the show. Michael and I referenced this in our previous episode, episode 99. And so we are actually top secret. This is the 100th episode. <laughs> We're releasing it as the 101st episode because the centennial has to be me and Michael, right? I mean, come on. That's not fair. Even in, not your, fair. in your 99th episode, you said, well, we can't have Aaron on the next one because that would be 100. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we're doing it anyway, but it's okay. It's okay. We'll we're, call it we're 101. Flexible. That's fine. We'll call it 101. So Aaron, for those uh, who might not know you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what are the things that you're working on. And you got, it seems like looking at your Twitter profile, going through <laughs> some of the stuff, you got a lot of things that you're working on. I've so got just a lot of give things. us your, uh, yeah, give us your elevator pitch. Who are you? What do you, what do you do? Yeah. So like I said, my name is Aaron Francis. I live in Texas, so I'm not, I am, I guess the South part of North meets South today, but not, not quite as far, <laughs> but I, I live in Texas. Right. Um, I'm a Laravel software developer. I actually have a full-time job. Um, I work as a CTO and COO at a property tax company. Um, so very, very thrilling stuff. But mm-hmm. most of what I talk about on Twitter is not property tax because nobody cares about that. Um, <laughs> so I've been, so we recently, my wife and I recently had twins. So like, oh, congratulations. Thanks. That's awesome. Man. Like, um, two months ago recently. So what? Wow. Yeah. So I was on paternity leave for like seven or eight weeks and I was working just two hours a day for like my okay. full-time job. And so that's where yeah, yeah. I, that's where a lot of like the creative, the burst of creative energy came from because I was like, I can kind of, you know, between feeding and changing and not sleeping, I can mm-hmm. work on exactly work on whatever <laughs> I want. And so it kind of just all this stuff that was in my head of like stuff I want to do kind of just burst forth. You found um, an outlet. Yeah. I did. You found an outlet of Finally. time and yeah. Yeah. And so one of the one of the things that I've been working on um for probably gosh probably like 2 years now um is is the main that's like the main side project and then each side project has its own side project but the main sure. side project is um it's like a um a filter builder, you know, when you're like okay. on, yeah. like on, you know, Nike and you're like, I want shoes that are size 12 and are, yes, yes. um, you know, Air Max twos and are black and you can yeah, kind of sure. like build your own, basically build your own query. So yeah. I've been working on that with a friend for about two years now. Um, okay. and he's got a full-time job and a wife and a kid. I've got a full-time job. The where we're at now is the Laravel one is actually totally done, but we picked up a client um, who does rails. And so we're rewriting the whole thing oh, in rails. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's, I just that's can't, just how it goes, right? I just can't fin it. Like I just, I had a tweet recently that was like the last, you know, the best part about being 90% done is you're halfway there. Like you're halfway (laughs) finished. And so that's kind of how it feels right now with, with the filter builders, like, man, we're so close. But then this client was like, Hey, 
we'll pay you to do it in rails and then you get to keep the rails version like there you go okay great that's awesome so is this going to be a paid this is going to be a paid product for you guys yeah exactly so we're going to do um open source front ends so we have a view front end and then he's writing my business partner partner sean is writing the um what do they call it hotwire I think that's the yeah. Rails one, Hotwire. Uh, yeah, Hotwire for Rails. Yeah, yeah, he's doing the Hotwire front end, and then we'll have a Laravel and a Rails back end. And so, back end, there you it, go. Yeah, it's going to be kind of like, I, I guess, kind of like the inertia model where it's like, we'll adapt to whatever stack you have. Like, if you want, that makes sense. If you want Laravel and Vue or Rails and React or Laravel and React, like, we'll try to do it all basically. And the back ends will be yeah. paid. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And um, I'm trying to remember, is it like Hammerstone? Dev yeah, exactly. Like that? Ha- that? Hammerstone.dev. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah, it's me cool. It's me and my friend Sean. Um, and we met, I think we met at Bacon Biz Conf, which was like a micro conf, but smaller. We met like okay. in 2012 and we've been internet friends ever since. And he's cool. a front end genius and I'm not. And so it, we work really, <laughs> we work really well together. <laughs> That does work well. Yeah, that it's I find that um like I'm I, I feel like I prefer the back end. And uh-huh. then yes, I am still sort of searching for the guy who's the front end guru who's just, you know, knows it all yeah. and uh can do it in their sleep. Wilbur Powery, who we had on our team for a while, mm-hmm. was really he was he was pretty close to being that guy. He was he was the dude, but Alas, he has moved on to greener pastures. So now I'm on the search again. So yeah, you just uh, have to want to keep up with it. And it's just right. It's man, it's so true. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Laravel moves so fast, but the front end is insanely fast. Yeah. It's it's wild. And there's so many new tools. You really have to be, I feel like you're you're coming into this age now, Aaron. Welcome to the dad (laughs) club, by the way. Thanks. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get to the point now where you are going to have to be more choosy about what things you actually pursue and invest in. And so you may find that you become a late adopter on things where you kind of like let the people who have a little bit more time play mm-hmm. with the stuff until and then, you know, you wait until it's like nine months, a year afterwards and see which stuff is still around and people yep. are still talking about. Then you sort of pick it up because you just don't have the time I don't have, to or the energy stuff yeah. all the time anymore. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so somebody I, asked I, me the other day about ES build and I was like, man. I've just barely wrapped my head around Webpack. I have no idea yeah. what ES Build even is. Right. So right. sorry. I'm like, <laughs> if it's not Laravel Mix, I haven't used <laughs> yeah, it. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah, just oh yeah. man, I can follow a tutorial to get Tailwind set up in a in a you know project without Laravel Mix. But like outside yeah. of that, I'm kind of like, yeah, I just like stick to my wheelhouse stuff. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but yeah, I wanted to have you on because of your package sidecar. Uh, but then I did sort of a, a little bit of a Aaron Francis deep dive and Uh-oh. like went down the hole. I watched you put together your whole shed quarters, which you're sitting in right now, <laughs> which am. is very awesome. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. This dude's a super hard worker, <laughs> insanely productive. And then I went and read your blog posts and it was like property tax, whatever it is. But <laughs> this dude has to deal with some like real world world crap, like importing massive CSVs yeah. at all hours of the night. And I was like, this dude sounds like the kind of guy that uh, does the sort of stuff that we do at my job, right? It's it's not sexy. It's, it's not, not sexy. Like, it's not like crazy front end, you know, like all this fun, like you know, um, you know, SPAs and all that. But nope. it's like real world stuff, and like it's the businesses that have been around that are still making money. That yep. are you know, they just need automation and and whatever. And so 
I love it. Like there were some really good tips you had about, um, I'm trying to remember like these running these fake daemons or pseudo daemons. Yeah. Yeah. The pseudo daemons. That was a really good read. And so I was like, maybe that's a strategy we could use. That seems really interesting. Um, so I feel like we could talk about like a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fan of your work to say that. No, thanks. I, I, I still have it. some stuff I want to read through. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like you've got a lot of really cool stuff to say, which is what part of the reason why I wanted to have you on. Just be like, hey, folks, go check out Aaron's stuff. Well, uh, but also the sidecar thing is really, really cool. So um, we've talked about it on Laravel News. We talked about it a tiny bit on North Meet mm-hmm. South. Um, but I would love for you to kind of explain maybe some of like, maybe first of all, tell us what it is, what mm-hmm. is sidecar exactly? And then what was sort of the motivation behind it for you and how you're currently using it? Yeah, totally. So sidecar is, um, a Laravel package. So it's Laravel specific and it allows you to, um, it facilitates um, building, packaging, deploying, and executing AWS Lambda functions from your Laravel application. So it's basically like the 80% use case of AWS Lambda when it comes to Laravel. Mm-hmm. So like if if Laravel Mix was Webpack but easier, Sidecar is Lambda but way easier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I think, um, so where it came from was I was, I had some stuff running on vapor, which I love total huge fan of vapor because I don't, like you said, I don't have the time or energy to, you know, futz about with a lot of stuff. So vapor rules. I love it. I needed, (laughs) I needed like one, um, JavaScript, like one node process in the background. And I was like, because I I was trying to do you know, every side project has a side project. I was writing docs for Hammerstone right. and I was okay. trying to get the syntax highlighting just right because it looked stupid when it was wrong. And so I wrote, you know, a JavaScript, I found a VS code engine JavaScript syntax highlighter, but it's all in node. And with vapor, you don't have like, you don't have just a server you can shell out to and like run a node process and then hop back into PHP. Right. If you were to do the Docker deployments, maybe, whatever, but I, I don't know Docker and I didn't have time. So I thought, okay, well, I know I can do, like I know Lambda has a node runtime and Vapor is on Lambda. So maybe I could just use Lambda and kind of like hand off my JavaScript to a different Lambda and get the result back. And so I tried that and surprisingly it worked really well. And I was like, wait, I didn't have to set up an API gateway. I didn't have to set up the uh, event streams or anything like that to to get to Lambda and back because the AWS SDK for um, PHP provides a method called invoke. So it's like, Hmm. call call the Lambda function. Call the Lambda, yeah. And so when I saw that, I was like, wait, this should be... Like this should be way easier. We should be able to, especially now as we're moving, like I see a lot of people moving to Vapor. Then you realize that you're missing that ability to do stuff with Node. It should be way easier to just say, here's a function, call it, give me the result. Mm -hmm. And so it really like, so I was doing that. I was doing this all like goofy behind the scenes, invoke 
and you know get the response back. And I saw um, um, Jonathan Rennick tweet something about inertia server side rendering, right? And right. He, he said like basically we start an express server in the background. And we send a request to it and it renders the view and, you know, as HTML and sends it back. I was like, oh, that's exactly like, that's exactly what Literally I'm doing. Exactly yeah. What you just did. Yeah. And so I, I tweeted back to him. Um, I have it pulled up here because I'm reading it now and it just sounds so insane. And I said, I'm serving Laravel on Vapor and I'm hitting a JavaScript function in a Lambda from PHP using Lambda.invoke from the PHP SDK. And he tweeted back and was like, dude, I don't even know what that means, but can you help us figure out inertia on on vapor? <laughs> and that's that's when I like I like resurfaced from my deep dive of serverless stuff and was like, Oh, yeah, this is cool. Like I could I could do something here. And so that was the impetus. When he tweeted back, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, okay, like I can make this easier for people. Yeah, let's make this easy. Right. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what I did. So what it does is like, all you have to do is like you you have a class, you know, a PHP class that defines what files you want to ship to Lambda. Um, and it's like, you know, your JavaScript files and maybe some node modules or whatever. And then it gives you some commands and you can say sidecar deploy, sidecar activate, and that'll do everything on aws so it, it sets it all up it's just like vapor and then it'll like it'll alias your functions and it puts in you know you can put in environment variables and all that stuff so it's like vapor but way 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 smaller the and mini it does, version of vapor it does one thing yeah and it's not php related at all yeah i think the thing that was really cool for me is i've looked at like okay i have a need for a thing like that would be a lambda but there's a couple things I want to avoid. Number one, I can't really give all of my developers access to be able to just create lambdas mm-hmm. um, out in our AWS instance. And also, there's no way to version control those because mm-hmm. they're just out there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm now limiting myself to be the only person who can change those if they need to be changed. And I'm the only person who has visibility into them if they break. Yep. And that's not a great place to be. And so how I guess do you I can't deploy them? Like, how do you deploy them right, in exactly. sync with your application? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So all of those things. So it's been like, okay, yeah, lambdas are cool, but it's not really anything I can use. Right. And this sort of blows the doors off that because it does all of that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could walk us through a little bit. So I've looked at the package. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it before. Um, I'll give you my very basic understanding of it, and then you can tell me what I'm saying wrong and how I'm not explaining it correctly. Hit me. So you have a class that extends a class in your package, right? Which basically says, hey, this is a Lambda invocable class sort of deal. Mm -hmm. So let's just just say that for uh, sake of argument, it's going to be a Lambda that's going to roll through an S3 bucket, look for zips and unzip them, okay? okay? We'll call it S3 unzipper. So this S3 unzipper class, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to define inside of there, and again, I'm not looking at the documentation, so I couldn't tell you exactly no, what it perfect. is. perfect. But inside of there, at some point, I'm going to define, I have a JavaScript, no JavaScript sort of file over here somewhere that I want you to take and put into Lambda or into AWS as a Lambda function mm-hmm. that I want to run. 
And then I have another method that I'm going to have called execute or mm -hmm. something like that, yep. where I have some uh, val values that I can pass in, and then those will get passed in. There's also another spot where I can say there are a few locations that this script has the ability to access within my Laravel application. So there might be a couple spots where it needs to be able to write files to or read files from. And so I have the ability to do that as well. So I define all that. And then when I'm deploying my application during my continuous integration pipeline, mm -hmm. I'm going to call sidecar colon deploy. Correct. That's going to take that JavaScript, it's going to push it up to Lambda. It's going to create a new Lambda function. And then within my Laravel application, when I want to invoke that Lambda function, I'm going to call that S3 unzipper class, and I'm going to somehow invoke that thing uh, with any arguments that I need to pass through to it. And it's going to do that. It's going to make that request. It's going to use that, you know, that, uh, Amazon, the AWS SDK that says Lambda invoke. It's going to get that, get the result and return it back to me. Is that a relatively decent understanding of how it works or where are the areas I'm missing and I'm fuzzy and I'm not completely clear on? Um, very, very good. Um, I would, if we can, for the sake of argument, change the example a little bit because you can, you can do S3 unzipping relatively easy with sure. you know, fly system yep. or True you know, stuff yeah. we have in Laravel. And so the, the stuff that I've seen so okay. far is That's like image generation, which is real, real easy in JavaScript and a lot harder in PHP. And so your, your, um, your timeline is exactly right. So what you have is you've got your JavaScript script you have a file that says here's like how i here's how i create an image and a lot of people are using this for like um oh, open sure. graph yeah, that makes sense. tags right so every blog post they want a new dynamic image and there are a million of these services that have sprung up and so you define you write this function that generates an image and it's a javascript file and then in your laravel app like you said you have a class that extends um it extends, I think it's called sidecar function. And you say, okay, the name of my JavaScript file is image generator.js, whatever. And it lives inside your Laravel app. Um, and then you can say, I want it to run on node14.x, right? So you can define your runtime as well. And then you can give it like, you know, okay, three gigs of memory. So you can define how much memory the Lambda has as well. And so that it determines how fast it is, all that kind of stuff. And then you're absolutely right. You call um, sidecar deploy. And what that does is that does half of um, what you may consider a deploy. It does half of it. So what it does is it takes all of the files that you've decided are necessary to, to build that image. And that could be the entire node modules folder. Um, if there's enough room on Lambda, you could do that, or it could be a subset, right? And what it does is it takes them all and it puts it into a zip file and it uploads it to an S3 bucket. And then it goes to Lambda and creates the function and says, you know, the, the code package is in this S3 bucket. The handler is this, the runtime is this, the memory is this, please make this function. And so it makes it on Lambda. So that's half of it. The second half is you can call sidecar activate, which then mm. turns the function live, right? And so that helps when you've got, let's say you're, um, you're building all of this stuff in your CI and you deploy it to Lambda. 
but then it takes another three or four minutes sure. for Envoyer to finish or whatever. And you don't want your functions to right. be out of sync because then your Laravel app is new or is old yeah, and your sense. Lambda is new, right? So then you call sidecar activate and it switches it live. And then you can just call um, from PHP, you would call like OG image colon colon execute. And you can pass through like the title of your blog post, um, the URL where it can be found. And anything you pass through to that execute function ends up in the Lambda. That was the wild part. In the JavaScript world. And so, yeah. So you can Not only can you just invoke some random function, but you can actually pass arguments to it from PHP. Yeah, that's wild. You can pass, right, which obviously means you could do it from form inputs. You can do it from query strings. Totally. You could do it from, from anything. Right. So then, then you've got basically like a tiny yeah, little Netlify, yeah. Netlify that just, you know, like goes through your Laravel app out to Lambda and then back through. And so what that would do is it would go to Lambda, say, here's the data that I'd like you to add to this, you know, image generator your JavaScript handler would run, generate the image, and then give it back to your Laravel application to do whatever you want with it. So now you've got you know this base 64 encoded image or whatever, and you can cache yeah. it and then return it to the browser. And so you've just generated an image on a Lambda without having to worry about like setting up the serverless framework on your local computer and yeah. deploying No, it, that makes total basically. sense. And... Um... That is amazing. I love it. Uh, I think the reason why I use that S3 unzip example is because we have had like instances where hmm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember exactly what the hangup was. Like if it was the fact that it was timing out or something, or if it was that, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was a way really easily like you know if you look at like if you go google like s3 unzip whatever um there's pretty much like a little lambda function you just copy paste like drop in there like boom and then you just like basically point it at the directory and it just goes just handles oh, it cool. right just everything unzips handles it pushes it over there because we had some like relatively yeah. large zip files and it's just taking forever um so anyway uh there like you said i think yeah i think you might be right because i think I think bandwidth between Lambda mm-hmm. and S3 is also free. Not only is it fast, but it's, in, it's in, you know it's free. And so maybe maybe that would be a great reason to use a Lambda yeah. to get yeah. at your so, S3 buckets um, that way. I remember that being part of the reason why I was like, oh, this could actually be really interesting for that particular reason. But I love the idea that you're talking about, which is uh, image generation or even, you know, Spassi has, um, uh, what's it called? Browser shot. Uh, it's like, I can't remember if that's what a Spassi browser shot, uh-huh. but essentially the idea of being able to take mm-hmm. you know snapshots of images. And right now, you sort of the, some of the pain in the butt about that is you have to have Node and all the environment stuff all set up just perfectly on your actual server. Bingo. And instead of having to do that, you could probably mm-hmm. just offload that to a Lambda and say, "Hey, Lambda already has all that set up and all that good to go. Just ship it over there and let it handle it." Right? Yep. Um, which is cool too. So yeah, no. Yeah. And then the other idea is um, so. You've worked with Jonathan on this, the server-side rendering stuff. Trying to remember sort of the trail mm-hmm. that went down, um, which was, and I'm, I don't think this has to do with sidecar necessarily, but some of the idea of like even being able to do feature tests on inertia using that server-side rendering sort of idea where they were rendering the stuff from the server and then doing these, you know, Laravel dusk sort of tests uh, on that server-side rendered stuff. 
Anyway, yeah. I'm not sure if that was even part of the conversation you guys had, but I just remember it being part of what I saw on Twitter. Um, maybe not between you two, but in any case. No, that was that was a um, server-side rendering conversation, but wasn't specific to, to Sidecar. The, the place that I slotted into that conversation was people being either unable or unable in this in the case of vapor or unwilling to gotcha. run a node process in the background to do server side rendering and so there is a company i forget i forget the name of the company um but the guy's name is greg skirman i think and his company is is live with inertia server side rendering powered by sidecar and they're running i mean they're running thousands and thousands of requests through and they're proxying it all through Lambda and giving it wow, back as awesome. rendered HTML. And it's, yeah, so cool. it's crazy. So freaking cool. It's, yeah. it's so, so cool. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk maybe a little bit about these uh, pseudo daemons as well, just because I thought this was such a novel idea. Yeah. Um, and so this idea that, so basically, maybe you could tell us any, almost like recap the blog post, but mm-hmm. uh, some of the challenges you were having is you guys have these massive CSV files that you need to pull in uh, at different times of the day in order to be able to update mm-hmm. like your tax tables or your property tax tables or whatever it might be, right? Exactly. And so, um, yeah. man, I honestly do yeah. feel like there was there was another one where you were talking about how you handle CSV imports and all the lessons you've learned the hard way about handling CSVs. And it's like anybody, uh-huh. exactly. Don't trust and anybody. anybody. Who's had to deal with the heartache <laughs> of having to import CSVs from a vendor, a client, whatever, the government, uh, which is kind of like what you're dealing with. Um, yep. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. Um, just some of the tips you had in there, I thought were so good. So if you're listening to this and you have to deal with CSVs, you should definitely go read this blog post that Aaron's got out there um, talking about validating the headers before you assume that everything is the same, right? <laughs> uh, and saving yourself a lot of headache yeah. in that or uh, checking to make sure that you don't have like uh, some blank field in in the first column or, in, you know, in the first set of mm-hmm. records and just screwing up your entire process. Uh, or looking for these delimiters that could be uh, interpreted as like a line return or a new row, right? So, oh, oh my word, just so many good things that I've yeah. run into. And I was like, yes, like all of this stuff. So good. Like, it's like, uh, it's like when you're listening to a comedian <laughs> and they take this scenario that you've been through like a hundred times and they like say out loud what you've always uh-huh. thought, but you could never put it into words. You're like, that is so true. And it's so true. This is that blog post. It's yep. like, Oh my word, all of these things, but it's written down in text format. I needed this. Like, I want to share this to the world. So, oh man, I'm so pumped to hear that because it is not oh, sexy bro, it's stuff. It's real but life. Man, I, that makes it's me feel so real that makes life. Me feel good. It's, yeah. It's, it's like so super like, honestly, is. Like, I can't even imagine how much time you spent working on that blog post to put all that stuff together. It's a thankless task, right? Because that's the thing is like, you never know who's going to read that or if anybody, it right? Is. I have read it. It yes. is amazing. And then you, yeah, you, you look at Google and Google analytics and you're like, Oh wow. 18 people read it. That's <laughs> right, really like, great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really good stuff. So anyway, that yeah. was sort of the impetus is like, you have these massive yeah. CSVs that you're importing. And so, um, dealing with like, how do you handle timeouts? When's the best time to do them? How do you, uh, is there a way to like, instead yeah. of checking every five minutes, can I just import it immediately? Like what, you know, how do I, how do I do that in an efficient way yeah. without, you know, using crazy amounts of memory, 
And so this, uh, you, you have this idea of like pseudo daemons. So I, I will give a quick disclaimer, which is that this yeah. is probably one of those things that's a little bit too nuanced just to share in a podcast format and have it be completely understandable. You might have to go read the blog post. But even if you just gave like a little bit of a teaser of like, here's the idea behind it, I would love to just sort of maybe what people's totally. appetites for like what it is that you're trying to accomplish and, and how you went about doing it. Yeah, for sure. So um, background daemons are processes that are kept alive by something, you know, supervisor, whatever. Um, so pseudo daemons, which is what I named this, it's a Laravel package. Pseudo daemons are like daemons, but you don't have to modify any server configuration anywhere. So it's a process that's actually kept alive by mm. Laravel's scheduler. So you put it in, like you you write it as a command, um, just a standard Laravel command. And then I think you add a trait called, um, you know, is pseudo daemon or sure. run as pseudo daemon or something like that. And then you just schedule it to run every minute in the Laravel um, scheduler. But what it does is it keeps itself alive. And then if it ever dies, it gets picked up the next minute by the Laravel scheduler. So it's kind of nice because it's like you're getting the advantages of, um, you know, a supervised process that keeps coming back up should it ever die. But you don't have to go into Forge and go into, because again, right. that's outside of your version control. Right. That's outside of your visibility. That's like, it's it's just in a place where I'm not. And so the pseudo daemon is, all right, let's put it all in code. Let's just keep it running. And if it dies, it's only going to be dead for, you know, maximum of 59 seconds because Laravel is going to pick it up in, uh, at the minute mark. And so it's a package that facilitates that basically just keep it alive and run it over and over and over and over. And so the way that we use it at Resolute, which is the, the property tax company, is we run, I think we run four or five importers um, as pseudo daemons so that should anyone in the company, um, should anyone drop in a, a new import, it'll get picked up immediately. So it's not going to wait around for, you know, every five minutes or even every one minute if it were on a schedule. Um, so that's that's one good part is it gets picked up immediately. The obvious question is, why not just run your imports as Laravel jobs, right? Because imports can take an hour and a half. And so if you've ever like configured your Horizon um, uh, configuration like to like have a super yeah a super long timeout you know that you Correct. have to like, like a set up a different queue, queue. Yep. you've got to set up a different retry after the retry after always bites me in the butt somehow it's like i set it to 20 minutes but it should have been you know yep. 19 minutes yep. and 59 seconds or whatever and you know some of some of our import imports literally take oh six and a half hours <laughs> and so it's like i'm not gonna set up I'm not going to set up a queue that has right, a six and right. a half hour timeout. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so these, these pseudo daemons are just, they're just console commands that just keep going. And so what they do is they, they, they sit there and they look over and over and over and there's a, there's like a, a sleep. So it doesn't kill everything. It's like a seven second sleep or something just looks over and over and over for new imports. And when it finds a new import, it picks it up and it builds the handler, and then it starts running. And that can run for six hours. And then when it's done, it just dies. Um, 
and then it gets picked up the next minute by the Laravel scheduler. And that, that pseudo daemon starts over again and it starts looking for imports. And so it's really, really, really nice because it's super fast and I don't have to worry about queues timing out or dying or getting picked up twice, which has happened to us before. So that's kind of the impetus behind it and how we use it. And it's So I feel like there's a couple of really interesting things here. One of the things I think is interesting is the little bit of hackery. I don't want to call it a hack because it's not really a hack, but it's sort of a hack, oh, right? Which is. is that you have this idea of don't... Yeah, yeah there you go. Call it you creativity. don't overlap <laughs> idea, right? So like in the scheduler, you have this idea of mm-hmm. um, run this command every minute, don't overlap, right? And what that does is it sort of puts a mutex in place mm-hmm. That says, go look in the cache and see if this thing is running. At, you know, so once the scheduler comes up, it looks at it and says, "Hey, look, give me the mutex of this command." So look at the name of the command, look at when it's scheduled to run, et cetera, et cetera. See if it's already running. If it's already running, don't bother dispatching it again. It's already running. Don't worry about it. So, so your little pseudo daemon kicks off every minute, doesn't die. Just run, 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 run. Comes up a minute. Says, nope, mm-hmm. already running. Don't worry about running it again. Run, 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 run. Right. And then exactly. if it ever dies, then it does pick it up again. So what you said is true. Like right now, uh, you know, in scheduler, and I know, I know uh Frank Vanderhurten, Spassi again, does have a blog post out there about running scheduler on like a sub minute intervals. Like there's he has something out there. I haven't looked into mm-hmm. it a ton. Um, but that's the idea, right? Your your thing runs. Sleeps for seven seconds, runs again, sleeps for seven seconds, runs again. Or I think that's configurable too, right? You can actually mm-hmm. configure how long it runs for. But it is. that's yeah. how it works. So for any of the out there being like, how does that exactly work? That's how it works. So it runs, 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 runs at a minute. Check. Oh, it's already running. Don't bother spawning a new process. Just keep running. Other question I have is then, so if you have a pseudo daemon running, it's not a general purpose pseudo daemon. Mm-hmm. So when you say you have six of them running, the reason you have six of them running is because if you know one of them is running and it's specifically set to say let's import the property taxes from um you know southern the southern united states i have no idea right if that thing's running for six and a half <laughs> hours because it's picked it up it can't pick up anything exactly. else during that six and a half hours it's running right and it's going to continue to run so if you want to have it as something else pick up another thing you have to have another pseudodaemon that's specific mm-hmm. to that particular thing, right? So that might be one word of of note there. Um, is that you, you know you kind of have to have a specific process for each one because it's going to be you know if it's going to run for six and a half hours, it can't do anything during that six and six and a half hours except for the thing that it's doing, right? You know what I mean? It's not like it's good. It's not like you get a fresh right. process every exactly. instance and it's going to yep. kick it to the queue and start working it in the background. That's not going to happen. It's just that one pseudodaemon that's running. Nope. Um, but the other thing that you said is, again, like this is not something you have to put in your cron and then it's gone. You have no idea that it exists. So, oops, we're moving servers from this AWS box in the east to another AWS box mm-hmm. in the west. Totally forgot to move that cron job over with that server. It's all in version control. It all moves with the code, mm-hmm. which is super handy. And it's visible to everybody. Everybody can tell that it's there. Exactly. So, yeah, so many great things there. This is yep. uh, We actually have something that we do where we run every minute. And we just say it's called, uh, I think it's just like File Watcher. It's a command that's just called File Watcher. And we basically have this location that we watch, this S3 bucket that we watch. And we say, if any files come into this bucket that are named any of these things, dispatch this command and take care of that particular file, right? So we say, like, hmm. here's the file pattern match that you should look for. So it's called end of day call recordings dot, you know, zip. 
when you see that, run this command, like kick it out. But you do have to wait for a minute. And sometimes it's really annoying to have to wait. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, when is it going to happen, right? Well, if you just had one of these pseudo daemons, it would just say, you know, pick it up as soon as it comes in, kick out that job to the queue, you're done, right? Um, so that like sub minute interval mm-hmm. checking is, is would be pretty handy. So anyway, yeah, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, that's that's one of the things like working in working in these you know non sexy kind of businesses. You you end up with a lot of like um, non technical users, and so that's one of the benefits of this pseudo daemon thing. Is one of them um, processes our internal submissions, like our internal forms. And I would have people that would be like, hey, I submitted this form and it it hasn't processed yet. And I'm like, well, it runs, you know, before the daemons, it runs every give minute. Second, yeah. So just like give it a second. And the, the bad part was like it would it would pick up the form and validate it. And then if it was invalid, then it would put it back down and another process would pick it up and try ah, to res- okay. auto-resolve the form errors. And if it could, it would put it back down and then get picked up for validation and then get picked up for saving to the database. So if you only run it every oh, minute, yeah, right. we're talking five minutes, and the person <laughs> is on the phone with the client waiting to yeah. see, like, did the form go through? And so when it's a pseudo daemon, it's like it all happens within, you know, 10 seconds and you can tell the client, great, we got it. Right. And, and you're good. And the other thing that I like about this process is it's very vanilla Laravel. Like it doesn't require, you know, any async PHP. It doesn't spawn background processes. It's just like, it's a goofy scheduled command that that stays alive. And so it's very straightforward. There's no like react PHP or anything like that. It's just a command. Anything that can run on a default. And that's kind of why I like it. You know, whatever you can run a pseudo daemon on that. Bingo. Really simple. I love that too. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's like one of those things, less headache. Like when you're moving things around, right? Those are just, you know, we all have those applications where it's like, Remember, if you're moving this, you have to install LDAP, you have to install Image mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. I think I can never like I want to say Image Magic, but mm-hmm. it's not Image Magic. It's like Imagic or something like that, right? You got to install these different things, mm-hmm. and it's so nice when you just have something like this. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. If you have you have PHP eight, you're good. You're all set to go, right? It's all done. Yeah. Is the is the rest of your yeah, kernel running? Exactly. Okay, then you're fine. Like exactly, you, it's it's Very okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, dude, Aaron, it has been an awesome chat. I have uh, learned a ton. And like I said, recent, but big fan of your work. I feel like you're doing some really cool stuff. And uh, <laughs> I, I told you the other day, I was like, I read through your whole Shed Quarters blog. You're like, the whole thing? Like, literally the whole thing? I was like, no, seriously. Like, I sat down for, <laughs> I don't know, it's probably 15 minutes. I think I just skimmed it. But I looked at all the pictures mostly. We all like to see the pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, so uh, it was a part, fun adventure yeah. to read through that, and then, but yeah, I'm gonna dig into your blog post stuff for sure because I feel like it's a it's a gold mine there, and uh, appreciate you putting your work out there. And if anybody has not checked out your stuff, they should definitely do so. So check out Aaron Francis. Aaron, what's the easiest way for people to keep up with you? Uh, on Twitter, Aaron A A R O N D, as in Daniel Francis, and then uh, my website is just Aaron Francis, awesome. no middle initial. So hey, anything Aaron else D. you want Francis to shout out Twitter. before we wrap this up? No, thanks for having me on and congrats Thank on you. 101 <laughs> thanks, episodes. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks everybody <laughs> for tuning in. Uh, you can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 101. 
Uh, follow Aaron. Check out his blog. Lots of good stuff on there. Of course, if you liked the show, rate it up on your podcast of choice. Five stars would be super appreciated. Until next time, folks, and we have Michael Dorinda back. We'll see you later.